So welcome to the Small Church Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we are helping the small church fulfill the big mission. My name is Brian. I'm a fellow small church pastor in the trenches with you guys. And today I am joined by none other than the two other guys that are always in this room when we're doing the podcast. Joey and Kobe, what's going on, guys? My life is dope and I do dope things. And I'm blessed. Man, I mean, you guys, I'll say this. If you are nothing else, you are consistent. This is what I love about you. You're stinking consistent, guys. You're also consistently stinking. So there that is. It's a marketing ploy. We just keep saying the same thing over and over so that we can trademark it and then start doing some uh, uh, marketing and, and, and making some money on it. I love it. I love it. Well, today we start this uh, kind of a, it's not really a series. We're actually going to take a few podcasts and talk about a couple of blog posts and a couple of internet articles that we've read that dealt with leadership. Uh, specifically in uh, ministry type pastoral circles and really just kind of talk about what jumped out to us as small church leaders in our particular contexts. And so uh, today's really going to be a good one. Just to give you guys that are listening a little backstory, Joey and I are part of the same denomination. We're part of what's called the IPHC. Now those are, that's an acronym that stands for the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. Now wait, don't, don't turn the podcast off. Okay. We've said we're Pentecostal before. So just deal with it for a little bit, but you can find out more about our denomination at IPHC.org. And one of the things that our denomination did recently is they gathered a group of uh, really important pastors together. And can you believe Joey that they didn't invite you and me to that? Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't get an invite to that. <laughs> I was going to switch to the IPHC until I noticed you guys weren't invited. So then I was like, nope, not doing it. That's right. That's right. You stay where you're at. Stay with the Evangelical Friends Church, Kobe. That's, That's right. You That's right. No, I'm just teasing. So what, what happens with our denomination is we will gather church leaders together of similar sized churches. And what they did this past year, 2021, is they gathered together a bunch of pastors that pastor larger churches than probably the, the target audience for small church leadership is. But they put them together with another lead pastor who's been a guy uh, in the in the chair, being the lead pastor role for 25 years. And he shared with them 10 things that he wished someone had told him 25 years ago. So what we decided to do is we're going to look at those 10 things and really pick one thing from that list that jumps out to each of us. So me, Brian, I'm going to pick one. Joey has picked one and Colby's picked one. We're going to talk about that today in this podcast. And so here's what we want you to know as we get started with that. We're also going to share the link to the rest of the article on this on our Facebook page. So if you haven't gone to our Facebook page and liked us, Joey, why don't you tell them what they can do? If you go to our Facebook page, go in the search bar and type in small church leadership, you can find us. Um, and then you can comment there. You can find the article there. You can give us your feedback. Which one stood out to you? Why it stood out with you? Let us know your story uh, and share with us. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us on Facebook there. And uh, man, I love how Joey said that you can tell us, man, what is your experience from that? What jumped out to you? Because we really, we don't want this to just be a monologue. We want it to be a dialogue with our small church leadership family. So as we get started today, man, there, this is the article, 10 things I wish someone had told me 25 years ago. So uh, Kobe, why don't you tell us a little bit before we get started into yours? I just had this idea. It'd be cool if we read the 10 things just said, here's what the 10 things are in bullet point form, and then just jump in on the ones that, that stood out the most to us. 
but I don't have the article pulled up. So, Kobe, why don't you talk for a second about how important it is to read articles? <laughs> I, I got it pulled up if you want me to read it. Yeah, that's perfect. That, yeah, that's what we meant to do. We, so I, I was I, I was prepared for the, the, the podcast. Um, I was trying to see where mine was in the pecking order here. So here's a 10 uh, of what they shared in this article. It says, uh, number one, uh, share more of the responsibility. Ouch, right? Uh, number two, trust the currency of leadership. Three, there's usually an ounce of truth in every pound of criticism. Wait, hold up, Kobe. I think number two is trust is the currency of leadership. What did I say? You said trust the currency of leadership. Trust is the currency of leadership. Yeah, if I said that wrong, my apologies, uh, which I probably did because the, the, the font, I'm, I'm getting significantly older and the font is small on my phone. Um, all right, so there's usually an ounce of truth in every pound of criticism. We cannot talk about our church's values and vision too much. I'll only have as much spiritual authority as I'm willing to submit to myself. Ouch. Healthy departures allow for healthy arrivals. The stage is a privilege, but it's not my identity. Sheep will always bite. The most difficult person I will ever lead is myself. I am not forsaking my responsibilities when I rest. It's for the sake of my responsibilities that I rest. That's a good one, too. That's a very good one, man. We could honestly do an episode on every one of those. Uh, and you know what? For you faithful listeners, maybe you'll hear us do that later on down the road. But today, what we're going to do is we're just going to take one of these that jumped out the most to us. And so, Joey, why don't you just jumpstart us with the one that jumped out to you and what you want to share with us as small church leaders? The one that jumped out to me was there's usually an ounce of truth in every pound of criticism. It jumped out to me because it was it mirrored the the greatest piece of information that I got out of Bible college. Uh, I, my, I was lucky. My parents were saved. Cost my parents forty thousand dollars for me to go to Bible college, uh, and and at forty thousand dollars, this was the piece of information that I got out of it the most. And it was that no matter what you do, you're going to be criticized. And what to do with that criticism? And that's what he instructed us: you take that criticism, you dig out and mine the nugget of truth that's in there, and learn from that nugget of truth and throw everything else away. So that in each criticism, you're learning from it, you're getting better, and you may not have to face that same criticism again. But dig out that nugget of truth, that ounce of truth in that pound of criticism. That is um, so good, man. And it's it's just difficult for us because I, if I, I'm just assuming that most people are like me in terms of you hear one of those criticisms, and it's really difficult to find the truth in it. Because it feels, it's a criticism. Criticisms hurt. They stink, man. At least that, that's guys like me. I know Kobe, that, that dude's just like, whatever, get, get over it. But man, <laughs> I'm like, ah, I don't want to look for truth. I want to look for revenge. I wish I could have said I've applied this wisdom to every criticism, but that would be a flat out lie. Uh, but here's the truth. When I've, when I've remembered this lesson and took that criticism and did this with it, then I could take and leverage that criticism to make myself better. When I didn't, I allowed it to affect me. I allowed it to, to get to my emotions. It, it caused me, caused it to hurt my leadership instead of help my leadership. Mm. And so when, when I, when I remember this lesson 
and apply it. It helps me out. It reminds me of a story also that we're good, no matter what you do, you're going to be criticized. Just understand that. Uh, that's a reality we have to live with. But it reminds me of a story of a church that was looking for a pastor, and they looked and looked and looked, couldn't find one for the longest time, and they finally hired a woman preacher. And mm. it was speaking, and then it was just totally against having a woman preacher. And so one of the other deacons go, you know what? He just needs to get to know this person. And so we'll take him on a fishing trip. We three will go out fishing. He'll get to know this person and realize he's being silly. And so they get in the boat, they drive out to the spot they're going to fish, and they look and realize we left the bait on the dock. Oh, no, what are we going to do? The one preacher says, no problem, I got it. She steps out of the boat and starts walking across the water to the dock to get the bait. The guy that didn't like her said, see, I told you I don't like her. She can't even swim. <laughs> so she's walking on the water, and all yeah. he was criticizing, huh? Uh, all he can do is criticize it. We are going to get criticized. There's no way around it. There's no way to avoid it. If you do everything right, you're still going to get criticized. Minimize the criticism. Because here's the, the, the more that you do, the more they're going to add on. And I can illustrate this with something else in my life. When I was in Elizabeth City, I built a house there. And we had a company come in to do several things. The company come in and put the insulation under the house. They put the insulation in the walls. They were supposed, supposed to blow the insulation in the attic. They come back and put the mirrors up in the bathrooms and the bathroom fixtures. They did the seamless gutters. And when I looked, there was not many things that they did right. Uh, there was insulation that was hanging under the house when they didn't get it strapped up right. They come in two weeks late to blow the insulation in the uh, ceiling and blew covered a room that had already been painted, scratched up moldings, dragging the hoses. The bathroom mirrors were scratched when they got put up, whether that was an installation or from the factory, they were scratched. And when you went outside, one gutter was hanging further over in the back, about six inches further than the one in the front. And so I called the guy out to show him all these things. And I'm walking around and showing these different things. And I got outside and I pointed to the gutters and said, that gutter in the back is hanging six inches over uh, than the front gutter. He said, well, isn't that a little, little bit nitpicky? And I said, you know what? If y'all hadn't messed up everything else, if I'd have called you out for that, that'd been nitpicky. Since you messed everything else up, deal with that while you're here too. Um, and, and my, here's my point. Uh, that was nitpicky. And if I'd have called him out just for that, but those nitpicky things get added in when we do those things that we could get criticized for. And so realize that and throw out the nitpicky stuff. Learn from the nugget of truth there and get better. And throw out the other ones. Don't let it get to you. Learn from what you can learn. Get better with it. That's one of the hard things, too, is uh, finding that nugget. Because sometimes, as a small church leader, we can we can convince ourselves that we have, uh, you know, everybody's against us. You know, we're just trying to build the next mega church and, and, and everybody's fighting us and they just won't, they won't get on board. They're not sharing the vision. Uh, and, and so we can always put the blame on them and not look for the nugget or we can defend ourselves against that nugget of truth. Uh, I've dealt with that recently and I had to have a, a friend of mine say, so everybody's wrong and you're right. And I said, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and joking about it that, yeah, I'm always right. But 
you know, trying to defend ourselves in that situation, um, you know, I, I do take some of the, of the blame for what had happened because my communication wasn't, wasn't where it needed to be. So you have to be honest with yourself when you're looking for that nugget because we can convince ourselves that we are, uh, we are always, always right or we are the victim. And, um, and so we have to be honest with ourselves. And one of the things that the pandemic has ex- exposed, uh, at least to me, is that no matter what you do, you're going to get criticized. If you open your church, you got criticized. If you stay closed, you got criticized. If you told no mask, you got criticized. If you told them to wear a mask, you got criticized. You were in no win situations, but that was going on before the pandemic. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. No win. Yeah. Uh, you, you're not preaching deep enough. You're preaching too long. No win. And, and we run into these no win situations of criticism that no matter what you do on one side, you're going to be criticized and you got to make the best decision you can make and go with that with whatever factors you got. Because no matter what you do, you're going to be criticized. So, Joey, I have two questions that are kind of follow-up questions. First question, what in the world is a panademic? <laughs> I'm curious. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> For you northerners that are listening to our podcast, let me translate. <laughs> Just teasing, man. The second question, though, is and this is really like, and, and Colby, feel free to jump in on this one. How do you not get offended when you're criticized? How can you, like you're saying to, to overlook the nitpicky things and to find the thing that is the truth and know that everybody gets criticized. But like, is there a time frame that you, okay, they've told me something, so they've given me criticism and now I need to wait until I'm no longer angry about it. Like how do, for me, talk to me, not the other small church pastors, you know, me, I get offended easily. How do I, how do I work through that? Well, for me, I get offended at first. Uh, it, it, so I, I have to realize that that's going on, realize that that's what's happening. And then for me, I have to take it to the Lord so I can get some perspective about it. And then it's usually through not my wisdom, but God's wisdom or God showing God dealing with me that he gives me perspective about the criticism. So then, then I can take the nugget, apply it, not allow it to hurt me and move on. That's good. That's good. I, I think too, um, in most cases with the, with the pastor, the criticism is not coming directly from the critical person to the pastor. It's, it's usually coming through another source. Uh, people say, uh, someone said, those are the types of things that, that I've noticed over the years is that, um, you know, they'll tell the church secretary, uh, the criticism and then the church secretary out of, out of loyalty, uh, tells me. And so, uh, it, it, what happens is it not necessarily tells me, not our church secretary doesn't always do that. She's not like a, you know, running and tattling, but in, in the churches that I've been associated with, I've always, I've noticed that people like to talk to the church secretary and give them the complaint. Um, for different reasons. I don't know if it's because they don't, uh, they don't feel the pastor is approachable or they, they are, I, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but they're cowards and won't say it themselves. Um, they want somebody else to do it. Um, and so a lot of times when the criticism comes, it's not coming from the, the critical person. And so I, I have to remind myself that 
okay, I'm not going to yell at this person right here or defend myself to this person right here because they're not the ones that are critical of me. They're not the ones that are, are, are telling me that I, I have this issue or I was this problem or anything. So it's, you have to know who's telling you things and then just let it, let it process. And, um, you know, just don't care. I mean, I don't care at that particular moment about the criticism because if I do care immediately, I'm going to get defensive. And so I have to not care for a little while so that I can let it process and, and then work through. And then once, once I let it process and then I start talking to, um, some people, godly people that can, can kind of help me through that, then, then I know, okay, now here is, here's the reaction. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll own up to some of it. I'll own up to all of it. I'll own up to none of it, whichever it is. Yeah, Kobe said something about earlier that he had somebody come in and speak to him. And the, those people that we can go through, can you believe they said this? Can, can, can you, and, and we gripe to them, but then they're going to not just take our gripes, but they're going to give us feedback. Yeah, I can believe that because, yeah, it's a little bit. Maybe you need to look at that. Maybe you need those people that can give us that honest feedback. And what happens with them? I usually get mad at first with them, and then I then I have to move on. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely my experience too. I get defensive, I get angry, and I try to point out all the reasons why they're wrong, and I try to justify my behavior and my actions. And it's uh, it, oftentimes what I've noticed too as a downside, and maybe you guys can identify with this, is that somebody will bring a criticism, and there is some truth in the criticism but I will attack their character and mm. I won't do it face to face. But I'll be like, how can you criticize me when you only show up for church twice a month? Or you, I don't know if you're giving or not, or you haven't served in the nursery. How are you going to criticize? And like the, the, the truth is, uh, you know, the Bible talks all the time about like a fool gives full vent to his, to his, to his mind uh, and, and his anger and all of that kind of stuff. And we've got to learn, or at least me, uh, and I think I'm speaking for most of us as human beings who have flesh. We've got to learn to be able to to mine for the ounce of truth in the pound of criticism. So that's been good, man. Kobe, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the one that jumped out to you from those ten? I know well, the the one that might uh, that might surprise people. Um, the most difficult person I will lead is myself. Um, you know, when I'm reading through this thing, I'm thinking, you know, the most difficult person I, I will lead is the complainer, the criticizer, the, you know, and all that stuff. But when you sit back and you look at it, the hardest person to lead is me. Cause I'm, uh, Obi, to be honest with you, the complainer and the criticizer is me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that is both of those are true in my case. <laughs> you know, sometimes it is in everybody's case, right? So, but when we look at this, uh, I know me better than I know anybody else. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm difficult. I'm difficult for me to lead. Um, it's not uncommon for me to have an argument in my office with myself. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's just, it's stuff that, that I, I know I need to do this. I don't want to do this because I want to do this over here, but this thing here is something that I need to address and, and I won't address it for you know, weeks, months, years, whatever. And, and so, and I know it, I know it's wrong, but I, I know I need to address it, but I just, I don't want to. So when, when I, because I know myself, I know what angers me. I know what disappoints me. And I, I, I don't know. I just, it's hard to be, 
it's hard to lead me um, when I know what I know what I'm capable of. I, I know that uh, I'm capable of being a jerk sometimes. I'm, I'm capable of being just straight out forward and not having that filter and, and, and just saying, I don't care. It doesn't matter, whatever. Um, you know, I had that situation, uh, the other night, somebody told me about a situation and I was like, you know, who cares? Let's move on. And that wasn't the response. I, I can't lead. I, I, I can lead people. I have no problem leading people. I love leadership. I love, I, I love studying leadership. I love, reading about it and and doing it. But when it comes to leading me, I know the right things to do. I guess kind of like Paul, I know uh, I want to do what I, I should do, but I don't do what I should do. I do what I don't want to do. And, and and so it's like that happens so many times in, in leading myself. I know my prayer time is important. I know my relationships are important. I know all of these things, but trying to get me to do a lot of those things, I'll, I'll try to, I don't know. I just try to back off on them or I, Hey, I don't want to do that. I'll do this over here. I've got something else I want to do. This over here is more fun. Uh, so trying to lead myself and trying not to be the jerk and trying to, I am working very hard on not responding right away. As, as Joey was sharing, you know, when, when you get that, that, that nugget, I am working very hard. So I'm sitting in a meeting and I'm hearing something negative and I'm working very hard not to respond and working very hard in being the last to speak. Um, and, and so trying to, to work all of those things, you know, we've talked about soundtracks, trying to change those soundtracks in my mind of, you know, they're, they're trying to attack me. Well, they're not attacking me. They were, they were hurt for this reason or they were that. And so just trying to change uh, the mindset of what's happening and, and trying to keep focused on, on doing God's work and, and, and staying positive, staying upbeat, but we can get into our own heads very easily and we can convince ourselves that it's an attack on us as people. And it's usually not attack on us as people. It's an attack on something that we did that probably wasn't necessary to be done. That's so good. I think about how difficult it is to lead me because I judge you by your actions and I judge me by my motives. And also yeah. I cover up what my real motive is. You know, I have like the inner car salesman, that used car salesman, the sleazy classic one that lives on the inside of me. That's always like, Oh, well, your heart's really right, Brian. It's like, no, it's not. My, like, <laughs> and so it is definitely hard for me to lead me. And I, I was joking with our church a few weeks ago that I would have fired me years ago, but God still chooses to use me. And apparently so does our church, but like, man, it is very difficult to lead me. Yeah. And, and one of the things I find that, that is, like you said, is, is the way we, we expect, we expect our volunteers to do certain things. And, and we, and when they do or the, or they don't, we try to treat them with grace. One of the other problems is, is sometimes we don't give ourselves that grace. And sometimes, sometimes when we're leading ourselves and we do something wrong, we will beat ourselves up really bad um, because we know ourselves. We know we were capable of doing better and we beat ourselves up instead of giving ourselves some grace. Um, we will give others that grace. You know, like you said, we, we will, we will judge them on their actions, but judge ourselves on our motives, but we will also give them grace 
at times when, when they need it, but we won't give it to ourselves, uh, when we need it. And, and that really hurts us as leaders because uh, we think we can convince ourselves that we are failures of leadership. You know, the, the church isn't growing. Well, I must be awful as a leader. Um, yeah, we've had pastors that have talked to us and, and said, you know, I'm going to resign. I'm not, I'm not doing a very good job. Um, and, and so then they're not looking at the, the big picture. They're just looking at the, the tiny little spot of, uh, on, on the paper. So yeah, uh, we, we have, we have to give some grace to ourselves. Yeah. I, I live there a lot, man. Like I, I beat myself up a whole lot. Don't give myself grace. And, and I'm just, I'm slowly learning that beating myself up is like Woody Allen playing the clarinet. You know, I don't want to hear it. And so I'm, I'm just learning to live through that, man. Joey, do you have something you want to add into this before we go on to the next thing? Yeah, leading me sometimes is the hardest person I have to lead because uh, I'm I, I'm hard headed, uh, and I don't expect everybody else to be as hard headed as I am. Uh, I, I, they should get it on the first take, but I want God to be gracious with me and give me many many opportunities. See, now you're now you're starting to meddle now, and I, I don't like when <laughs> you start to meddle. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Th- well, thanks for sharing your, your part of that too, Colby. So let's talk about this last one here, man. The last one is the one that jumped out the most to me. And, and honestly, uh, well, let, just let me share what it is and then I'll share kind of what jumped out about it. Healthy departures allow for healthy arrivals. Healthy departures allow for healthy arrivals. Now I'll, I'll be honest with you. We do a fair, if we know that you're leaving our church, we do a fairly good job of creating healthy departures. We believe that the way you leave a church is the way other people can enter a church. The way you leave a season is the way you'll eat, enter another season. So we try to pray for people when they leave. We've even had situations where people have left for bad reasons on bad terms where we have tried to redeem that situation. But uh, what jumped out the most to me is I do a really good job at healthy departures and I'm ready for God to give some more healthy arrivals. <laughs> Amen. Reach that. Yeah. And, and now I want to be honest. I want to brag on God for a bit. We've been at Forward Church. Uh, man, we started, we, Forward Church is a relaunch. It was an existing church that's been in this city for a long time. It was essentially on life support. We came in and relaunched it as a new church plant with a new launch team. Uh, we did that in 2013. And over these, gosh, nine years that we've been doing this, God has always been faithful to provide. We've always had the right people we needed coming through the doors. We've always had the leaders and the team members we need to to do the job that God's called us to do. Praise God for that. So there have been a ton of healthy arrivals. Um, and, and so really the thing that, you know, I'm kind of tongue in cheek saying, God, I'm waiting on some more healthy arrivals. But during the, the Joey, you ready? During the pandemic, we had some, I, I love you, man. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> we had, we had some, we had some, some departures during the pandemic. We've had some departures during the time when we quarantined. We had some departures after we came back. And so at this point, we're seeing a few new healthy arrivals, but I'm looking for more healthy arrivals to come through the door. Cause what you don't want is you don't want to model for your church when people leave. Well, you're dead to me. Now, honestly, can I be real on this podcast for a second? A lot of people that have left are dead to me. Okay. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) I pray for them. I release them in the name of the Lord. But in terms of the ministry responsibilities that God has given me to reach this community, 
they've chosen to go to another place. There's nothing else I can do with them. I can love them. I can be brothers and sisters of, in Christ with them, but they're gone. They're, they're no longer part of this ministry. Now it's time to move on. But what we can't do is we can't communicate that to the people that we're leading. We can't let everybody know that, hey, when, when somebody leaves this church, we don't want to have anything else to do with them, blah, 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 blah. We've got to create this opportunity for healthy departures to allow for healthy arrivals. And so what I've learned with that, to be perfectly honest with you, is the power of holding people and seasons loosely. You've got to hold people and seasons loosely. What we do is we hold on way too tight. You know, it's like, oh, these are my people. Like, think about how many times you as a pastor, you said, well, my people, my people, my church. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a powerful truth behind ownership, right? We just bought a house a year ago. And, uh, if any of you guys in the Virginia area that are listening or looking for a house, talk to Kobe's son. He's our realtor. He'll sell you a good one. Or at least we think this one is a pretty good one, but we just bought a house. And so we're first time homeowners. We're our entire adult life lives together. We've been renters. Well, now when an issue goes wrong, we've got to fix it. I can't just, I was joking. Actually, uh, a few weeks ago, I saw my old landlord in Lowe's. We were, I was in Lowe's looking for something to fix for the house and we bumped into each other and I was joking. I said, dude, something happened the other day. And I was like, I'm just going to pick up the phone and call Nick. And he laughed. He's like, yeah, you can't call me for that now, or I'm going to charge you even more. So there's, there's a truth to ownership, right? Like we want to own this. Like this is my ministry, my church, my responsibility. But the flip side of that is the, or the negative, because every light side has a dark side at some point. The dark side of that is these are my people. And you start to hold on to things too tight. Like the, the truth is, man, I, I remember guys, we were at exponential in 2020, right before the whole world shut down. And uh, Matt Chandler was there and he was talking, I don't know if you remember it or not, but he was talking from Acts chapter 13 about when, uh, when Paul and Barnabas were sent out from Antioch to go and do ministry. And he, he said that these were the two best leaders in the church in Antioch and they were gone for good. And God called them out to go out. And he said this, we've got to master the art of gospel goodbyes. And gospel goodbyes are kind of his way of what I've said to hold on to people and seasons loosely. Everybody that comes through the doors of our church, they're not going to be there forever. Even if they live there their whole lives, they're going to die one day and they'll no longer be at that church. So we've got to learn to hold people and to hold seasons loosely. If we do that, then we don't cry whenever that we don't cry as much whenever the season's over, whenever the people are gone, because we have healthy departures allowing for healthy arrivals. Now, can I say this? It is probably, I don't know what the biggest word for numbers are, but it's probably 1.21 gigawatts harder to actually say it, to do it than it is to say it, right? Like it's one thing for me to say, hey, hold on to people loosely. It's another thing when it's, you know, a big giver that's leaving. Or it's another thing whenever it's somebody who's close to you that's leaving. Two years ago, we had a family that was so close with us. Like our kids were growing up together. We spent time together. Man, we were just supremely close together. But uh, they were a military family, and the military moved them away. And so we built, man, three and a half years of a deep, man, soul-connecting relationship with them, only for them to be ripped out of our lives. Now we still are, we still talk almost on a weekly basis. We love them and all of that kind of stuff. And when they're in town, they'll visit and all of that, but we've got to learn to hold on to people loosely. And so 
that's something I've learned. And, and really this thing that kind of comes down to what I've been told of man years ago is that as a pastor, you're a bus driver. And at every bus stop, what happens? People get off the bus, people get on the bus. You just got to stay on the bus and keep driving. So pastor that's listening to this, <laughs> don't park your bus at the bus stop and throw the keys and run away. Okay. <laughs> keep driving the bus. Keep driving the bus. God's called you. I was listening to our last podcast, uh, and Kobe made this great statement in this pod. I was out on, I was exercising the other day, listening to our podcast because nothing makes me want to run harder than listening to us talk. And I was listening and Kobe said, the same God that called you, or he said, how was it that he put it? That the same God that called you hasn't changed. That the God who called you when things were going good is the same God who's calling you and working through you when things are not going good. And so I just want to encourage you, pastor, keep driving the bus. Because the God that called you to ministry didn't change. Man, that was some wisdom right there. I'll tell you tell what. Tell me about it, man. Right. That, was, that was some great wisdom. <laughs> you sure that was me? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I heard those words coming out of your mouth on that podcast, I was like, wow, all of those years of being with me and Joey are finally paying off. <laughs> <laughs> I had to read those in a book somewhere. There's no way I came up with that on my own. <laughs> uh, and so – Man, just the truth of, of church is we're bus drivers, man. You know, people are going to get on the bus and people are going to get off the bus. And speaking of bus drivers, one of the best books that you can read to help you manage that is a book called The Energy Bus by a guy named John Gordon. Now, it's a fable. It's a fictional story that tells leadership truths and leadership principles. Um, but essentially, he gives you 10 rules to fuel the life work and team with positive energy. And he talks about what it means to, man, there are no energy vampires allowed on the bus. Now, if you're interested in that, maybe we'll do another book podcast and I'll talk about the energy bus from that. But man, uh, just keep driving the bus. Keep going. Don't don't take it too personal. The kind, I guess kind of the last thing I'll share that really just jumped out to me with that was um, before I was a senior pastor, when I was at Bible college, I was, I worked at a job, uh, at an outlet store. And one of the outlet stores that I worked at was a shoe sales store. So I was kind of like Al Bundy. And, uh, but one of the, um, kind of uh, promotions that they would do is they, everybody that came in the store came in to buy shoes because it was a shoe store. But the way that they rate that they made more money was by selling like product care and by selling socks. And you got judged for raises and promotions on how many socks and how much product care you sold. So let's say Joey comes in and he's going to buy a pair of work boots and I sell him work boots. Well, I'm going to try to sell him leather care. I'm going to try to sell him extra shoelaces. I'm going to try to sell him socks. And we had like this tally sheet that we would write down. And at the end of the month, they were all put together. And, you know, there were you saw how much you did or how much you didn't do. Well, I would always take it personal when people didn't buy product care from me. And I had this great line word out, guys. I would always tell people, hey, man, would you like to get some socks? We're doing a special today. If you buy the right one, we'll give you the left one for free. Like, come on, man. Who doesn't want to buy socks from a guy that says that line? You know what I'm talking about? But there were so many people that would say no, 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 no. And I would always take it personal. Now, to be fair, I wanted to get a raise and I wanted to be the best. I was very competitive. And so I was taking it personal that way. But the truth is, those weren't my socks. Those were the company's socks. And they weren't telling me no. They were telling the company no. And that's how we've got to be whenever I say don't take it personal when people leave. There are, there are things that we have done 
that people are leaving as direct results of what we've done. That's true. But as Joey said earlier, even if you do the right thing, people are going to criticize you, right? Like there are, there have been people that have left all of your ministry, small church leaders, because you said, this is what God's calling us to do. And we're going to do it, that you've done the right thing and they've gotten off the bus. So don't take it personal when they don't buy your socks. It'll be okay. Um, there's a book that I was reading called How to Share Jesus Without Freaking Out. And he quotes another person in this book, but the, the quote is this, that it takes people an average of eight times to hear the gospel before they say yes. So the whole po- point behind that is you may be person number two sharing the gospel with them. You're just part of the chain. Keep sharing the gospel. But you know what? You also may be person number eight. And they may give their lives to Jesus because you finally were the, you, you finally became the person along the way. So man, don't take it personal. Let be healthy in your departures. Pray for people. Bless them on the way out. Let them go. Give them the right hand of fellowship, not the right foot of fellowship and have your doors and your arms open for the new people to come in. So man, that's, that's kind of all I wanted to share with the one that, that jumped out for me. I feel like I need to jump off of my soapbox now. No, I think that is great. I, I recently went through a healthy departure. Um, I had, I had a family that just felt like God calling them somewhere else and, and it stung, it, it stung a little bit, but it was the, it was the first one that was done right. I mean, before they told anybody in the church, they sat down with me in my office and, and they, they talked to me about it. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to be one that's just going to sit there and, and boohoo and cry and say, well, okay, we're going to park the bus because, we can't, uh, we've been called to do something. And, uh, you know, I would say this, I would hate to be in front of your bus when you know, God's called you to go. (laughs) Well, well, that's the the thing, you know, I've had people that were like, Oh, you know, what are we going to do? And I'm like, we're going to keep going. We can't stop. I mean, if you guys want to stop, fine, let me know. And I'll move the, I'll I'll go get a, I'll start driving another bus because, um, we got work to do. There's still people that are dying and going to hell and we need to do something about it. So, um, it, it does. It sucks when, when people do it, good people too. I mean, it, but I understood. I, I understood exactly why, uh, they were feeling this way and, and, and I hate it, but I supported them. And, and so, but they did it the right way. And, and I love, I love that they did it the right way. For one, it modeled to other people how to do it the right way. Um, now if I have a mass exodus of people doing it the right way, I'm going to be angry. Uh, but if, uh, it, when, when it's modeled how to do it the right way, then, then other people will do it. The, not just, not just show up. I mean, we've had people that have just not showed up again, you know? And so doing it the right way, really, it, it, it helps and it keeps the relationship because regardless of where they worship, we're still in the same family. We're still part of, of, of the body of Christ. And so I wanted to keep that relationship. And, and that's what I, I like most about it is, is that we've kept that relationship. I've actually, uh, been texting quite a bit over the last two weeks. Um, and, and keeping that relationship going just cause, just cause they're not worshiping in my building doesn't mean that, that we're not part of the, of a family. And so we want to keep that going. Yeah. I've had people leave. I've had people come and, uh, I appreciate the ones that come, tell me what's going on. And then we do have a prayer time and we, we bring them up from everybody. We pray for them. We send them off and it gives the people opportunity to know why they're leaving to bless them on the way out. Uh, and it's not just wondering what's going on. Then they know, uh, what's going on and it creates a healthier situation for them leaving 
one place and then going into the next place. Uh, but we've been talking in terms of people, and we got to keep this in mind in terms of us. It's, at some point, you're probably going to leave your church, go somewhere else, and a healthy transition matters. Yeah, that's really good perspective too, uh, Joey, is that we could be the people as well. And my, I think my default is, doggone it, you better stay there until Jesus comes back or until Jesus takes you home. Because that's my heart is, man, I just, I want to be anchored. I want to, I want to stay in one church. This is the second church that I've pastored. And, uh, it, it broke my heart to feel like God was calling me out of our first church. Um, I wanted to, to be a man like W.A. Criswell. We read a purpose driven life in the very beginning of that. Rick Warren talks about he, that man gave his whole life, 50, 50 years to that one church, first Baptist in Dallas, I think it was. And so my, my default is you better stay there forever, but maybe. You're right. Maybe God's calling you somewhere else and you have a, you know, bus driver don't just open the door and jump off the bus while it's still going. <laughs> like, <laughs> tuck and roll, tuck and roll. <laughs> well, having that healthy transition is a big part too. And I want to say this, Colby, you mentioned it um, earlier that you had this, this healthy departure that's going on. Uh, this is just reality. It's a reality of where we are. And one thing that I would encourage our, our listeners to do in your new to our church class, whatever that looks like, if it's a 101, like we had talked about before in uh, our assimilation part, is you've got to have a first step, like whatever that step is, talk about how to leave the church. Because everybody that goes through your new members class isn't going to be a member forever. And so I would just encourage you say, hey, Man, welcome to fill in the blank church. We're so, by the way, I'm pretty sure fill in the blank church.com is a free web, is a available web name. So if any of you church planners want to start a fill in the blank church, there fill you go. The blank church. I should go and buy that and then sell it to somebody. Okay. Anyway, can, can we, you think we could catch this rabbit if I keep running hard enough? Mike could. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, go through your new members class and be like, Hey, this church may not be the church for you. People are blown away when I say this. I say, if Forward Church isn't the church for you. Let us help you find a church because we care more about where, about the fact that you are actually attending a place that God's called you to than you just come to our place. I had somebody come up to me one time who was a salesman and he said, I can't believe that you did that. Like it would be like me telling people to go to my biggest competitor and buy from them instead of buying from me. And I'm like, well, see, here's the difference. I'm not in competition with these other churches. Like I really genuinely there, God's calling all people to all different types of churches. It takes all different types of churches, reach all different types of people. But if we can teach people and build relationship with them to have healthy departures and model the way with that, I think that it helps us in the long run for sure. So guys, this has been good, man. We've definitely talked about some stuff. I mean, can you just imagine if we had done the other seven of these? Right. <laughs> we, yeah. Like, so a little long. Yeah, it'd be a little, little long and. So guys, man, as, as those of you that are listening, thanks for being with us. We're actually going to post this article to our Facebook page. So you can, as Joey had mentioned earlier, you can find us on Facebook. He's going to tell us again in just a minute how you can find us if you weren't listening at that time or if you're new to the podcast now. So Joey, why don't you share? Well, if you can go to facebook.com and the search bar, type small church leadership should pull us up and you can go there and find us there. Uh, please comment. Please let us know uh, what has been impactful to you, what you might want to know more about. 
read this article and tell us what stands out in this article for you and why. That's right. And Kobe, why don't you finish the whole rest of the thing out? One, one of the most important things that we can ask our listeners to do is give us a rating and a review. Uh, those things, they, they, they push us a little bit further out to, to more people. The higher our ratings are, the more reviews we get, the more people that can hear the content that we have. And so we want to make sure that we're out there helping them. We want to be a blessing. And we always talk about it. We want to be a blessing to the church leaders that are out there because we know what you're going through. We felt it. Uh, and so we just want a, a rating and a review and, uh, uh, and you know, give us a good one. Um, yeah, I know we always talk about giving us a five star. Um, uh, this episode was definitely a five star episode. So, uh, give us a, give us a rating and a review and share this thing with all, with all your, uh, church leader friends out there. Absolutely. And Kobe, you hit the nail on the head, man. We want to be a blessing to you guys that are our listeners. We love you and we appreciate every single one of you, man. We pray for you and we're just excited to be doing ministry together. And we may never meet on this side of eternity, but hopefully we'll be able to gather together on the other side of eternity in the presence of the Lord, right? Like maybe we'll have our, our small church leadership gathering in heaven one day. We'll have everybody together. We'll have all the tens of us from our international audience together in heaven. And we'll be, uh, we'll be like, look, look at it, guys. We did it. We did it. With God's help, we did it. So thanks for listening, guys. This has been the Small Church Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we are prayerfully, hopefully, helpfully helping the small church fulfill the big mission. My name's Brian. I'm Joey. I'm Colby. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.